Welcome to the La Dolce Vita Show, a woman's guide to living a fearless and fabulous life. My name is Heather Pickin, and I am here to give you that winning formula so that you can get clear on your vision, stay true to your values, and break through those mental walls. Check out my free resources at heatherpickin.com. This podcast is brought to you by Fierce Femme Wine, a woman's wine that inspires dialogue for change. Visit fiercefemme.com. So let's get ready as we uncover the formula to your success in business, career, and fabulous life. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the La Dolce Vita Show, a woman's guide to living a fearless and fabulous life. And I am your guide, Heather Pickin, and I basically help you to break down that formula on what it takes to be successful in every area of your life. And I will tell you, today, we're going to be talking about a very important topic, and that is wealth building. And I will have to tell you, when I'm working with women, you know, one of the things that I do is I go around the seven areas of life and, uh, you know, I, I ask them, you know, how, how is, how are your finances? Are you, are you saving? Um, you know, what's, what's going on there? Um, side note, personal story. I know years ago when I had lost everything, um, one of the reasons, or I should say I got myself in that position because I was not focused on saving money. So, um, and, and it's, it's a very, uh, it's a very challenging thing. So I want to welcome my guest, uh, Natalie Morris. Uh, she's a broadcaster, writer, speaker, and co-founder of Financial Freedom Academy. Uh, she was actually uh, previously a news anchor and technology reporter for NBC, CBS, and CNET and, and the Today Show. So her mission, and I love her mission, is to empower women to take control of their money and businesses and life um, and, and really create the life that they love. So Natalie, thank you so much for being my guest today. No, thank you for the invitation. So I was sharing very briefly, and there's so much more to my story, but um, uh, I, you know, it's so important that, that women understand the value of uh, you know, building wealth, having money, having savings, investing in themselves. But I know you have a personal story, so I was wondering if you could share that with everyone. Sure. Well, I think when you tell the story that way, I realize that I was one of those ladies who just thought if you aim high enough, there'll be enough money and you don't really have to get in the weeds with your taxes or your wealth building or that kind of thing. And I found myself in my early 30s with a six-figure job and I had a baby when I came back from maternity leave, I didn't have that job to come back to. So I had this big disruption in my life and I realized, oh, living by a paycheck is actually not a plan. Or thinking, oh, if the paycheck's big enough, you're fine. That's actually not a plan. I don't know that I would have realized that had I not had this disruptive pivot point in my 30s. But I did. And I found myself with a small baby not long after I got pregnant with my second. And I was really finding that I couldn't fit the pieces together. I wanted to be successful. I wanted to contribute six figures to my family again, but I didn't want to leave my baby. I didn't want to 
leave now the new baby. So I found myself getting offered jobs in broadcasting. I thought, no, this is not flexible. I can't be with my kids. I don't want this, but I really did want to work and I did want to contribute that money. And I realized how powerless it made me feel to not be contributing a paycheck to my family anymore. Now, a lot of times women who find themselves in that position, I feel like a lot of them sort of gravitate towards this role of chief budgeter because they think, oh, if I'm not contributing money anymore, then I can't really be spending like I used to, or now my role is to shrink our lives. Um, very rarely do I hear someone say, well, my husband will let me buy this or, or that kind of thing. It's a story we tell ourselves in this role. And as I was sort of listening to other moms in my position, I realized that a lot of us sort of relegate ourselves to this secretarial position in the house. Like we don't make decisions about wealth. We don't make decisions about investing. We automate savings. That's about it. And we keep all the passwords and pay all the bills. And a secretary can do that, right? That's not a position of empowerment. So one day I had an interview with CNN um, and you know, I had been waiting for them to call me back. I was waiting for a call with Bloomberg. I ended up getting a freelance position with CNBC. So that was great. And I was sort of, like I said, in between. And as I was waiting for my agent to tell me how that meeting with CNN went, and I was waiting for him to call back. And those calls don't come when you want them to, you know? So that silence is so loud. And I thought to myself, okay, here is where you have a choice in life. You feel powerless about your budget, about your money. So you either can choose to shrink your life and become an awesome budgeter, right? Extreme couponing, um, you know, posts on Pinterest that tell you how to spend no money on laundry detergent and how to feed your family for $5 for a month, that kind of thing which is one very extreme mindset, or you can go the other way. And so, and so I said to myself, if I don't have a regular paycheck, I'm going to be so good with the money we do have coming in that it will be equal to an extra salary in our house. And so that's what I did. I decided to buckle down. I went to the library the old way, like burned out my library card and decided I'm going to learn to be great at personal finance. And I started where my dad always taught me to start, which was to make a budget, uh, or I'm not sorry, not a budget, scratch that. I made a balance sheet, which is just like what a business does. They list what they own and what they owe. And I decided to take it one line at a time. Like, okay, here's one thing on my balance sheet. Can I do better with it? And that led me to learn the next thing. And that led me to learn the next thing and the next thing until I had reversed our balance sheet from a negative net worth in my family to a positive net worth. And so this is a big part of what, I, what we teach people in the Financial Freedom Academy. But my message specifically, because this is something I do with my husband, but I specifically want to talk to women who found themselves in that position. Like, okay, I'm not earning what I think I should be. I need to make sure that I'm worth it. You know, a lot of times money, it tends to be a masculine type of subject, but it's only the currency that sort of underlines our society. It's not like, it doesn't have to be like that, right? And so what I'm really talking to you about is what is the thing that makes you feel powerless? And now let's attack it right? It doesn't necessarily have to be materialistic. It's just finding the thing that's bugging you and go for it.
Right. No, I, I love I love your story and how empowering is it, uh, you know, when you're in that situation and you have that aha moment, like, wait a minute, I've got to do something about it. I, I really feel what you were saying before about, you know, money being very masculine. Uh, historically, women women didn't have the power to own land and we didn't have a lot of rights, you know, to really kind of quote unquote handle money. So I, I think that's that's still, you know, uh, unconsciously uh, a story that that women, um, you know, are, are sticking to. So yeah, yeah. Really, I mean, if you watch Downton Abbey, it's like, oh, you yes. can't inherit this estate because you're a woman because he has three daughters. Yeah. Crap, right. But these are sort of hegemonic like systems that continue to pass down. And I think for us, we unconsciously start to just sort of like, oh, well, you know, my husband made this money, so I can't X, right? Like I said, my husband never said you shouldn't buy this. In fact, I'm that person in our household. I'm the one who's like, why do we need that? Um, But if I found myself wanting to buy something, maybe for myself or something luxurious, I had all these stories in my head, like, he'll be mad. You're not worth it. He made the money. You didn't just because the money came in with his name on the pay to line, right? You really start to denigrate yourself. And I remember back then I just was very present about it. And I listened to the narratives. And this is one exercise we take you through in the financial freedom Academy is go buy something and just listen to the voices in your head as you buy it. Like a latte that you don't normally allow or order an appetizer if you're not an appetizer person, or something like just a little above your normal spending habits. And then notice what the voices say. Most of the time they're total crap. It's not true. It's just something you've put in, you know, and these are the things that start to hold us back little by little. Mm, Yeah, I I love that. Get, you know, really uh, being aware of what that dialogue in your head is, is, is so critical. I think, you know, one of the biggest problems, like we were talking about before, like having a better relationship with money. And you mentioned earlier uh, about, uh, you know, the whole permission thing, you know, I got to ask my, my husband or whatever. So when I, because I work um, a lot with uh, women entrepreneurs, uh, one of the things I always ask them when they say, well, I got to ask my husband, you know, we got to talk it over. And I said, well, are you asking him for permission? Or are you asking him because you talk about money? Because there's a, there's a distinction. Right. Yeah. You don't ask, you tell. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that easy, but. <laughs> but, it's, but yeah. Yeah. They, yeah women I get it. Very, it. It's almost like they don't know how to own their power around, uh, you know, having that conversation with, with money. So what is, what is like really the first step, you know, when you're working with a woman and she's just like, oh my gosh, I got to do something uh, about that. Um, what, you know, just kind of give us maybe a couple of tips around that. So we suggest that people decide to run their family like a business. Um, and we actually suggest they formally incorporate their family. And that's a whole, there's a whole reason to do that, which we teach uh, separately. That's I could go down a whole rabbit hole about that, but I won't. Um, But really our mission is to empower people to work together like a team. Now, a lot of times you think of a, a really successful corporation, right? 
they have one person in charge of the money, one person in charge of the decisions. They work together. They play to their strengths. And if you think about how you maybe work in a company or you have your own company, you have these goals, right? You, you're goal setting. You want to learn new things. You want to grow. You need to learn to work with a team. You need to set goals and reach them. But we don't do that with our money. We just think, oh, if our paycheck's enough, then we're fine. But nobody can save their way to wealth. That was a really hard lesson for me to look straight in the eye. But when I found myself without that paycheck, I thought, even if I do get a paycheck back, we're just saving. We're not buying assets. We're not actually making ourselves wealthy. We're just living stasis by our paycheck. So we teach families to play to their strengths, figure out which part of wealth building you like, and then relegate the other thing to a partner, a spouse, a sibling, whatever, whoever it is you're building wealth with. And then you have to get clear on where you are and learn to build from your balance sheet. So we teach people how to make a balance sheet, how to then learn how to leverage that balance sheet in order to really turn it so that you're not living your life based on just all of these liabilities, right? You're just living so that you can pay the mortgage and the car payment and the credit card and the student loan. That's not wealth building, right? And even if your paycheck increases nominally, nominally or a lot more than that, you're still going to expand your liabilities so you never build wealth. So you need to commit as a family to learning wealth and then learn how to work as a team. So that's why the first part of the academy is all about like, what are your beliefs about money? How do you behave about money? How do you behave together about money? How do you maybe trigger each other in ways you don't even mean? And then once you get really clear about where you want to go, we can teach you to build that. Mm, I, I love that. I love the part of, you know, having a vision. That's something that I, when I'm working with a, a female entrepreneur, getting really clear, because if you don't have a clear vision, that's where you attract your chaos. So mm -hmm. I think that's uh, so important. Yeah. You know, another thing, let's talk about women and emotions when it comes to investing. We can look at the stock market right now. Um, and I know women, you know, have a, we tend to be a little bit more emotional when it comes to, to money. So what's your take on, what's your advice when, when it comes to investing right now with what we're going through? I don't like to invest in the stock market. It's not my favorite thing, but it's where I started. And for a lot of people, that's sort of where they're already tied up. Um, once I really started to study financial products, and I started studying the stock market because that's what we had. By default, you choose a 401k or an IRA. And those are basically ways for you to partner with the government to invest in the stock market. It's just sort of a like tax-friendly, it's a way for the government to say, we want you to invest in the stock market, so we give you this tax-friendly vehicle to do it, and then people do it by default. But once you study the 401k, it's not a very good financial product. At best, it's medium. It's more than most people will do. So for that reason, it's fine. If you're not the kind of person who can manage your own performing assets, by all means, invest in the stock market, because the stock market is cyclical. It usually has a crash once every 10 years. Most of the time, that crash will take you to a dip and then recover, but you won't recover to where you should have been had it not dipped. You'll just come back having lost that time and then build a little more. Again, it's just a savings vehicle and usually a very expensive savings vehicle. So I don't put very much in the stock market. 
Um, but I do have 529s with my kids that are based on the stock market. Uh, again, I don't love them, but they're there. So that kind of thing, you just have to, you know, the saying is it's not time in the market or not timing the market. It's time in the market. I hate that because again, you're going to lose that dip and not come back up to where you should have been. Right? So I don't do that. Uh, what we suggest people do is find a way to buy a true performing asset. So in our family, we like to buy re rental real estate and we buy single family homes. And even in a market dip, we don't really see vacancy rates because people want to buy homes in towns where there's jobs. But not everyone has a stomach for that. So we teach you in the Financial Freedom Academy to identify what kind of performing asset you're comfortable with and then be a manager of that. Like maybe you like the stock market for, you know, despite all the reasons that I just gave you, fine by me, right? Then be in charge of your stock and, and know what it costs you. Most people don't. Maybe you do want to learn to invest in real estate that we can teach you. Maybe you don't like either of those things and you have, let's say a sister who's an amazing baker and wants to open a bakery. You lend her money for that. Now you have a performing asset. You have a note right? You could, you could open your own business. You could write a hit musical. All of these things are performing assets. So we teach you to look at your balance sheet and say, okay, what is it I own right now that performs? For most people, that's nothing. Like literally just my stock accounts that perform just a little bit. But what performs in my balance sheet that I own that I can pay a grocery bill with? And most people have nothing except their own body that they take to work every day, right? So we teach people to change that in their balance sheet so that you have something in your balance sheet that pays you every month that you can buy groceries with. And that's the real ticket to wealth. Mm, I, I love that. Great strategies that um, actually make sense because, yeah, you, you don't know what's going to go on. With the stock market, I mean, there's some people that absolutely love that, um, but I think, you know, diversifying your money is definitely uh, key and finding something that, that works for you. Uh, let, let's also talk about, uh, you know, kind of measuring and tracking and, and delegating. I think uh, a lot of times women think they have to do everything like the accounting and that sort of thing. So what, what yes. kind of systems or what, what do you recommend in, in finding like your team? Well, there's the team inside your house, right? And then there's the team that surrounds you. And so for my husband and I, we sort of decided what are our different roles. Now I'm a spreadsheet junkie and I don't want him to touch my spreadsheets. He breaks my formulas and I go crazy for that. Like, oh, let's just put this number here. And I'm like, that's a formula. <laughs> so um, that is like a non-start. So I'm the, I'm the spreadsheet person. I know where all the money is at any given time. I know how we're going to pay for each thing when something comes up. Like I'm good at that. If we're, you know, the apple of old, he's Steve Jobs and I'm Tim Cook, right? So Tim Cook obviously is capable of doing what Steve Jobs did. Um, and Steve Jobs spoke really well to Tim Cook. They were a good partnership, right? But you need to make sure that there's someone inside your household who can look at the bank statements, reconcile the bank account, look at, you know, understand the numbers really well. My husband is the guy who identifies the, he identifies the new property. He identifies the opportunities. He, uh, when we wrote our book, 
how to pay off your mortgage in five years. It's really him that puts the rubber to the road. Um, I'm the wonkier person and he's the ideas guy, the let's get it done. So you've got to have, you got to play to your strengths in your house like that before you can really build anything. Now for us, again, I wasn't all that comfortable with shifting our paradigm. Like we're going to borrow from our 401k in order to buy rental real estate. What? That made me so uncomfortable. And so we started to listen to podcasts and like I said, go to the library and we sort of we were autodidacts, like we taught ourselves everything. Mm -hmm. And then I felt more comfortable with it because I had done homework. So for a lot of, especially women who are like, no, we can't do that. Let's just leave the 401k alone. Well, once, if, if you really commit yourself to studying the 401k, you'll be like, that's it. That's what we've got. Like the average full value of a 401k at full maturity is $90,000. Most of them are not Roths. So then that's $90,000 you pay taxes on. How long are you going to live on that? That's not wealth. That's just a savings account, right? So we want you to really think about buying things that pay you. So this big lesson my dad gave me was, you know, don't think about Natalie. He said, don't think about the nest egg because that's just a finite pile of eggs. Think about buying the goose. You buy the goose, you get eggs every month. Then, then there's no end. It's not finite, right? So we teach people again to change what's in their balance sheet so that they can live on it now. And that's what we do. We don't have to work for the news anymore because we turned all our assets into performing assets. Mm, I, I love that. And I also love the fact that you're, you're actually strengthening your relationship because most relationships where their problem lies is talking about money, fighting over money. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I'm not going to pretend we don't do that. We absolutely do. Um, but I understand now, like when things are tight and I say to him like this thing, you know, and even yesterday I was telling him about this thing he had committed us to. Um, he got this office space that we couldn't get out of and we realized we didn't need it after he'd already signed the lease. And so it, like made our budget tighter for a year because we were in on this lease. And at the beginning of the year, we had different financial circumstances. I thought we'd be able to handle it. And then towards the middle of the year, I'm like, this is unnecessary. I wish this weren't on our sheet. And yesterday I realized when I brought it up to him, I, I jabbed him. Like I couldn't help myself. I was like, well, if you hadn't, you know, and I knew that I was like getting right into his, like pouring lemon juice on that cut. And he knows, you know, like, and so I did exactly what we talk about in our courses. Like I triggered where I knew I could have, even though we're fine. Like it was inconvenient. I wish it hadn't happened, but it's over now. You know, those are the kind of things that once you become aware of them, you try not to do them, but I'm not going to pretend that I don't. So I get a bad wife point for that. <laughs> but they're good learning lessons because, you know, as human beings, we're, we're going to, we're going to mess up We're we're going to you know, do something and, and actually have a great uh, strategy. You know, I always say you, you got to fail in order to be great at anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was like just a little douse of unnecessary meanness, but I'm ovulating. So yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great. We'll chalk it up to that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think, yeah, I'm just thinking about, uh, you know, that conversation about uh, building a better relationship, having a vision. Like to me, it, it, it's also having a vision for your relationship as it relates to finances, like a long-term vision so that 
Yeah. You know, know, I think a lot of people don't realize that when you marry somebody, you have started a business. And if you don't run it like that, then that business will never grow. You will never be able to retire on it. There's, it will never pay off for you. So yes, you have to nurture your relationship with date nights and all that stuff. But you also have to take it seriously and work together like any business team does if you want to get somewhere. And usually when you sit down, you say, well, where do we want to get, right? It's usually not like one person's, oh, I want to sail around the world in a boat and the other person doesn't, right? Most of the time you already have a dream together. So you got a plan to get there and you got to work at it like you do your day job. Yes. I, yeah, I, I love what you're saying about that because it's like, you, you've got to do something every single day to get to the end result. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. Take, taking action. I, I know when I'm working with my clients, one of the things I do is I look at, okay, what are your highest priorities that you can do today that are going to get you to yeah. that long-term vision? And I think a lot of times, especially for women with finances, they don't want to look at it because they don't have a strategy and then it's just, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Probably. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, finances runs the gamut. Some people sort of feel like they can look at it and obsess over it. And, you know, I'm on that end of the spectrum, but I get that a lot of people are not like that. Um, I remember listening to this one CPA's podcast and he's like, if you're the kind of person that puts the envelope unopened in a file and then brings that to your accountant, he's like, I can't deal with you. And I thought, wow, people do that. Like they don't even open the envelope in order to look at it. They're just like, can't take it, put it away. (laughs) And so obviously if you're that person, you can't be the spreadsheet person, then you got to be the other person, right? You don't have to have the stomach for like buying properties. You don't have to, you can just find what you're comfortable with and then build with that. It could be anything, right? Um, But it just, there has to be a plan because no plan, you know, it just, it doesn't work. And the more wealth we created in our lives, the more I realized it's harder to pay your taxes when there's more money rather than easier. And so I had to teach myself to be really good with tax planning Um, you know, I read this awesome book that every entrepreneur should read called Tax-Free Wealth by Tom Wheelwright. And I loved it so much that I put on my vision board, I will hire this person to be our CPA. And it took me two and a half years to get there, but he is now my CPA. And that book opened my eyes to how you need to make sure that you plan your finances in order to maximize your tax advantages And that's another thing that I had to learn. So every year there'll be something new in running our business that I have to learn. And I like it. Um, If you're not the kind of person that likes it, then you have to decide what you're going to learn together and who takes what part and that kind of thing. But hopefully when it comes to wealth, there should be always something new you want to learn. Um, And even if you give up, like I was trying to teach myself this infinite banking thing two years ago and I read seven books on it. I just couldn't wrap my head around how it could work for my family. And I gave up. So it's fine to give up, right? I tried. I didn't like it. Move on. But you have to be willing to give everything some consideration. Because like I said, when my husband was like, I'd like to take a loan from my 401k, I was like, no, don't bring it up again. Right? And that reaction is fear-based. And so 
once I did the homework, I was like, I love this idea actually. And so I was fine with it. So notice when you have those no reactions, right? Even with this infinite banking thing, I didn't say no. I was like, let me see, right? Open yourself up to everything yeah. in finance because one of the biggest lessons that I've learned in my wealth building career, I guess you could call it, um, is that wealth favors the creative. And so the people who are just like, oh, I just automate some savings and that's fine. It comes out of my paycheck. That's not wealth building. And really truly wealth wealthy people are willing to be creative and get in the driver's seat when it comes to wealth and money. Mm, love it. Natalie, such great tips. What a wealth of knowledge. And before we go today, uh, where can uh, women learn more about you and your work? So the Financial Freedom Academy is at just financialfreedomacademy.com. Uh, if you'd like to read my writing and I write about things that I'm you know, working on, thinking about, um, just all personal finance type stuff and mostly wealth consciousness type things because I want you to realize that you're worth it and that you have to get into the driver's seat. So that's at nataliemorris.com and uh, it's Natalie with an I, no E. And then if you'd like to... Uh, learn how to be a real estate investor, you can go to morrisinvest.com and we teach you the soup to nuts on how to become a real estate investor. Mm, I love it. And we'll put those down in the show notes wherever you're watching or listening to this. So Natalie, thank you so much for being my guest. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Uh, and for those of you that are watching or listening to this, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe because that is how we get the word out about this show. Until next time, this is Heather Pickin. Take care. Bye-bye. So if you like what you hear on this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Interested in becoming a sponsor or learning more about leadership for women's performance using neuroscience or business coaching, contact support at heatherpickin.com. And don't forget to grab my latest book, The La Dolce Vita Formula, by going to fearlessandfabulousbook.com. That's fearlessandfabulousbook.com.